0: Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by my friend, the founder of the Dr. Atlas Foundation and the unelected mayor of Staten Island, Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Cake for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I might as
1: well be like the other politicians, right? (laughs) You know, if you're going to make me the mayor, cake for everybody. No, if I'm the mayor, they're getting more than cake. Getting...
0: Starting with the truth.
1: Yeah, it, it, it would be nice. It would be nice to think that we could actually trust these people that are actually put into position to look out for us, that are supposed to honor the word trust. God, it would be a novel idea, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be awful nice if they actually lived up to that trust? Wow. But in the meantime, there's somebody that did live up to our trust that's right behind you, Ken. Marvin, marvelous Marvin Hagler, the great one. He lived up to our trust. Every time he got in that dawn ring, we knew what he was going to give us. Everything.
0: Yep, RIP to the great Marvin Hagler. Brockton's own, just outside of Boston, home of Rocky Marciano, the Brockton Boxers football team, and the great, marvelous Marvin Hagler. Terrible loss for the sport, terrible loss for uh, humanity, just a good dude all around, was never in the media, never in the press, just, you know, when he was in the ring, he just handled his business, and after his life in the ring, he was uh, quite the movie star over in Italy, and uh, came back to the U.S., led a relatively quiet life, we tried to get him on the podcast, he was uh, not one to do a lot of press in later years, but um, terrible loss for the sport, and I know you have a lot of thoughts and opinions on uh, Marvin Hagler.
1: Oh, boy. Marvin Hagler, way, way too often we use the term out there in media of throwback. We use great too too easily, too. Why? I think sometimes because we don't know. You know, sometimes there's people in there that are supposed to be pundits, that's supposed to be in a responsible position of knowing, Ken. I, I think sometimes they just... They really don't know that much, as much as the public would hope they know or would think they know because they're in that position, but they don't. And so sometimes that word is thrown around almost to the point where it loses some of its strength, some of its credibility. It should not be lost with Agler. Great belong with Agler. And the other thing that, again, that we use too often, that, again, just gets used, I think, sometimes because... The people using it want that athlete, that performer, to be thought of the best since they're around to obviously be talking about them during their time, that they're around to be the broadcaster for them, if, if you will. So they say, oh, yeah, he's, he's great, he's a throwback. But great and throwback really did deserve to be mentioned in the same breath, when you mention Marvin Hagler, because he was a throwback in a way. First of all, he didn't fight for his first world title to 51 fights. Who the hell does that? I mean, who the hell does that? If you go back to the 20s, to 30s, to 40s, the greatest ever of boxing when it was bigger than bo- baseball, and fighters had 300, 200 fights, and they all fought each other, and sometimes three, four, five, six times. Well, some of them <laughs> didn't get. Some of them didn't get to main events to 30, 40 fights, much less world title fights, they earned their way. And that's kind of what you imply when you say throwback, that somebody earned it. They did it the hard way. They did it the right way. Marvin Hegler did it the right way. He did it the hard way. He was a throwback. Uh, he he f- went and sought out. I'll say it again. He sought out all the best middleweights in the country, and they were in Philadelphia at the time. And he fought them all in their hometown to the point where he lost two fights. One was to uh, Boogaloo Watts, and the other was to Willie the World Monroe. Now, the one with Willie the World. Worm Monroe, real slick guy, as you would think. A worm, right? It's kind of slick. It's hard to grab. It's hard to grasp. You know, that's why I guess you would have that nickname. Um, He he lost that fight. And he, being the honest guy he is, he said, I still got a lot to learn. And that guy I just fought, he had done learned it already. (laughs) He already learned it. And I got a lot to learn. And he sure as heck, he went and learned it. And he lost also to Boogaloo Waps, where he got robbed. But he came back, and of course, he learned, and he beat Willie the Worm twice. He stopped him once. So, and he fought Benny Briscoe, who was a ton of a puncher, granite shin. I mean, he he fought all the top Philly middleweights, and it got to the point where a promoter there, what a, a Hall of Fame promoter over there, Russell Peltz, And he's got a book that's going to be coming out. And people should look for that if they really love boxing. They really should. They should look when it comes. Just like when Mike Silver, the great historian uh, in boxing. There's very few people that know the sport like these two men. If they really care about the sport and the history of the sport, they really should get their books. And Russell Peltz will be coming out and Mike Silver's is out already. But the point is that Russell Peltz was a young promoter back then. And the Petronelli brothers... Madison trained Hagler. And the promoter usually <laughs> doesn't do this. The promoter wants a great fighter like that fighting in his city, right? Yeah. But he actually said, Russell and someone else actually said to the Petronelli brothers, why do you guys keep coming here? <laughs> why do you guys and you know what he said? The Petronelli brothers, Goody and Pat, they said because Marvin insists on it. He wants to fight the best. He wants to become the best. And there's only one way to do it F- fight and beat and learn from the best. And that's what Marvin's going to do. And he did. And he cleaned up house eventually. And it's part of what obviously was his growing curve to become the, gr- the great Marvin Hagler um, and his attitude that he's not going to you know, look to navigate around like they do today and the promoters do today with the partners of the networks where they keep a guy undefeated. And they don't give him the fights that the fans want to see. They don't give him the fights that are the obviously the most difficult. And they don't give him the fights that are going to form them into a guy like Marvin Hagler. <laughs> because sometimes you sometimes you got to go into the fire to really meld, to really forge that sword. You want a sword of steel that will stand up, that will not break in combat, no matter how difficult that combat is? Well, you have to forge it in fire. Hagler forged himself in fire, and he was the man of steel. He really was. I mean, he was Superman to me. Because punches bounced off Marvin Hagler the way bullets bounced off Superman. That—that I mean, that was Marvin Hagler. I mean, the chin on that guy, the determination, the will, the character. I talk often about strengths. And talents being more than nowadays we all jump on the neon talents can, you know, the flash. The, we, we don't even wait to see if the guy lasts more than eleven minutes. But he's he's flashy oh, 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 oh the greatest I ever saw. Oh, really? All right. Can you wait like seven more minutes to <laughs> see if somebody <laughs> else comes down the pike? That um that you know, that's also fast and 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 that was Marvin Hagler. And That's Marvin and because Marvin Hegler. He showed the attributes I talk about when I talk about true strength, true talent, true traits, true abilities are more than just the neon ones. If you, you want a friend in life, you want somebody. We talk about politicians, what you wish you would have in a human being in a person. What do you want? You want someone who's dependable, trustworthy, somebody who's reliable, somebody who you can count on, somebody if they're your friend, you call them at 1 o'clock in the morning, they don't hang up on you. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't, <laughs> they don't remind you what time it is. You know what they say? Okay, I'll be there in 10 minutes. That's what you want. And you get it sometimes, but not too often. You got it with Marvin Hagler, okay? That's what you got, Ken. That was his power. That was his strength along with all his physical attributes and everything else and the way he could fight and be in his softball and he could fight inside, outside. He could counterpunch. He could box. He'd go get you. He'd wear you down. He'd break your ribs. All of that stuff. All of it. But he was dependable. He was loyal. Loyalty is a power. It's a strength. If you can be loyal in your life to people when it's difficult to be loyal, you're a strong person. You have strength. You have character. He was loyal to the Petronellis during a time when it was awful hard to be loyal to him. In that in that business. People coming to him saying, what the hell are you doing with these guys? Come on. Really? And you want to throw race into it? With race, Everyone throws race into it. I, I don't know. I, I, I'll throw it in there. The, the Petronellis were both white and... Hagler said I don't care anything about color I just care about a commitment I made and a commitment they made to me that's all I care
0: about there was a famous story that they told him that they he could get a flat fee to his manager and he said they're going to continue to get in 10 percent of my purse and if you bring it up again you're fired
1: yeah I mean that's what you, that's what you want to hear from a person who has that kind of That kind of character.
0: They helped to develop him and got him to that point. And he said, they're with me from the beginning. They're staying with me while I was at the bottom. Now they're staying with me at the top. And I don't want to hear any more talk about it. And that kind of
1: strength, that kind of character, that kind of philosophy in life, it is power. If you're strong enough to stand behind somebody when it becomes difficult to stand behind someone, when it's less convenient, when somebody could be offering you more money somewhere else or more whatever somewhere else, and you have the power, the strength, the resolve, the belief to stand behind that person, that same strength will show itself in whatever you do in the ring. It will show itself, and it showed itself with Hagler. It was always there. It was always there. The guy would never, ever let you down. Or let himself down, or submit. If he didn't submit to those things, he wasn't submitting to anything in the ring either. And talk about the greatest middleweight. He was one of the great. Carlos Monzón has to be in that mix. Uh, Harry Greb has to be in that mix. Three hundred fights back in the thirties. Um, I mean, my God, uh, Carlos Monzón, incredible. Uh, those kind of guys, but. Hegler is right there. Hegler's right there. And, but Hegler, you get two for one. He's not only the greatest middleweight or one of the greatest middleweights of all time. He's one of the greatest southpaws of all time. So you get both with Hegler. And he, like I said, he fought everybody, anywhere, anytime. Everybody. And he was no frills he didn't come up with a silver spoon. Damn it, he didn't even have a freaking spoon. <laughs> <laughs> you know what he had? He had those things. You remember this, Ken. I, you know, you. I know you're looking young and all that, and you are young, and you're young in spirit, young in heart, and you keep yourself in great shape. But you we remember this a little bit with those wooden spoons. <laughs> remember those wooden spoons when you got the good humor ice cream? And they broke, you know, because the ice cream was hard, and the spoon broke, <laughs> and... You, you put it, you, you, you dug it out with your teeth, <laughs> you know, at, at the end. Like, you know, you just did what you had to do. But, but you had wooden spoons. That's what Hagler had. He had a wooden pallet, whatever whatever they call that scooper thing. That's what he had. <laughs> that was Marvin Hagler. He didn't have no silver spoon, you know. He didn't have, he didn't get an Olympic gold medal. He didn't have all that, which is great. He didn't have the money from the promoters, to big money and the hoopla. No, he didn't have, he just had Marvin Hagler. That's what he had. It was enough. It was enough. He earned every freaking thing he got. Every freaking thing he got. And boy oh boy, he really built himself into some kind of man, some kind of fighter. He he really was a throwback. And he was He was the guy that his whole life followed in that kind of thing, like He's a guy that wasn't spoiled. He's a guy that, you know, had to do it the hard way. Well, sure enough, sure enough, when he wins the title, finally, I think it was in his 56th fight, 56th fight, when he wins the title, finally, he has to go to England, and he fights Alan Minter, a damn good fighter, a good boxer. He goes to England, he fights Alan Minter in a in a stadium over there with, with all, you know, hostile Obviously, fans against him. And he destroys Minty. He cuts him up. He he, You know, he takes him apart in three rounds. And again, consistent with what I'm describing, that nothing easy went to Marvin Hagler, he's got to now deal with a, a rainstorm of bottles that are being thrown by the freaking stupid fans that, you know, that, I mean, why do you do something? But it happens. It happens. It happens in... In, in sports that happens in life and stupid things sometimes and they're throwing freaking bottles at. he wins the world title the greatest moment of his life after going through everything fighting all the top guys in philly going to everyone's hometown dealing with everything getting robbed coming back winning and and now he's got to have bottles thrown at him they actually had to cover him up to get him out of there the Petronelli's, they, they covered them up, they, they shielded them, they and they, they ran out of there, they got out of there. But again, when you think about Marvin Hagler, that was it. He everything he did, he he did it he didn't do it the <laughs> the easy way. He didn't do it the easy way. This was a a big loss for us. He left us way too early. Um, I hope the people feel that and I hope Marvin and his family feel that what I just said about him is enough because with a man like him, you never think it's enough. You do your best to give a tribute to him that is proper and worthy and I hope I did but Marvin Hagler... He was special. And I add one other thing. Who the freak fights John Mugabe? Get his record for me, will you, Ken, while I'm talking. Who fights him? He's undefeated with all knockouts. The guy could knock down
0: not one. 25-0. 25-0, 25
1: 25 KOs, right, Ken? Yep. 25-0, 25 KOs. The guy could knock down not one wall, but three walls, okay? And he goes and fights him, and he... I mean, it was a brutal fight. And he winds up taking him apart and ruins the career of Mugabe. And Mugabe was never the same after that. But who fights guys like that? Who just says, yeah, give me him too? That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean.
0: Off the heels. That, that was off the heels of beating Tommy Hearns.
1: Off the heels of being Kenny. I'm so glad you you put that in there. I've, and the to really give it the proper perspective. And off the heels of beating Tommy Hearns, which some people think it was the OK Corral. <laughs> it was the OK Corral. It was the shootout at the OK Corral, where some people think it was the greatest fight of all time, you know, or the greatest three rounds of all time. Uh, and and off of that, all for that, he goes and he fights a guy 25-0 with 25 KOs.
0: Um, that was Marvin and As soon as he was done with him, he faced Sugar Ray Leonard.
1: Yeah, and it took a lot out of him. It took a lot out <laughs> yeah. of him. I'm taking nothing away from Sugar Ray Leonard because that was a great man. Great, that was a great fighter. A great fighter in any era. Any era. And that's how I judged them, that they could be in any era. Split, de- split decision. But yeah, a lot of people thought Hagler won. Some people thought it should have been a draw. Yep. You know. And then that was Hagler. He, he took off, went to Italy and did those, those movies, those action movies over there and came back with an Italian accent, which I loved.
0: I loved it. <laughs> I loved, I loved it too,
1: I loved it too, and I, I loved Marvin Agler, and rest in peace, champ.
0: Hey guys, want to take a quick pause to give a thank you to today's sponsor, Athletic Greens, the all-in-one daily drink to support better health and peak performance. Um, I've said it before, I love this stuff. It's the one thing that I make sure I take every day. That's no BS. Like I I genuinely take this every single day and and try never to miss. Um, These guys spent 10 years working with top nutritionists and doctors to create this formula. It's made from 75 whole food sourced ingredients. It's got vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics and antioxidants, consider it like an insurance policy for your body's uh, health and immunity, and um, as an aside, if you check out Andrew Huberman's latest podcast, it's called the um, Huberman Lab Podcast, he has an episode that just came out today, and this isn't an ad for the podcast, it's just it's just very topical and relative to what we're talking about with Athletic Greens, he's got a new um, episode out today called How Foods and Nutrients Control Our Moods. And as I was listening to it, I couldn't help but to think it couldn't be more relative with Athletic Greens, that everything you put in your body affects the whole system, right? Yeah, everything is tied together, the gut, the brain. So when you're taking care of yourself and getting the right nutrients, it's essentially fueling your brain with the right nutrients. So um, check out Athletic Greens. Like I said, it's like an insurance policy for your body um especially this this product especially paired with amp humans vitamin D is all you really need to stay on top of your immunity uh 12 servings of fruits and vegetables no need for multivitamins or whatever else you take and athletic greens has you covered athletic greens has given our listeners uh 10 free travel packs with every order. So, whether you're looking to boost your energy levels, support your immune system or address gut health, Athletic Greens is the way to go. Simply visit athleticgreens.com/atlas to claim the special offer of 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, athleticgreens.com/atlas. Well, speaking of dependable, We had two dependable guys in action this weekend. Their first fight, I think, in 2017 was a candidate for fight of the year, if it wasn't the fight of the year. Um, Estrada versus Chocolatito uh, lived up to all the hype. The decision was another story. Estrada gets the decision, which... Look, I, I watching it, I could I thought it was as close to a draw, maybe a slight edge to Chocolatito. I wouldn't have a problem with Estrada winning by one one or two rounds, like it could go either way. But one judge had it 117-111. The WBA announced immediately that the judge is suspended. I don't know that I've ever even heard of an organiz uh, uh, of a governing body or a sanctioning body. Yeah, it has um, been
1: done. It has been done before. Just so you know. It has.
0: Well, the guy must have, you know, everyone kind of jokes about the fact that, you know, take them to Texas if you want to get the decision for the A-side. And, um... You know, Estrada was the A side, although he had a loss to Tito in the first fight. So no, no. What uh, I thought,
1: when I said it was, I'm sorry. I hope I was, I was right. I jumped in there uh, when you said you never heard. You were going to say an organization suspending a judge, right? Is that what you were going to say? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, it has been done before. But go ahead. He must have been too egregious for them, but. Um, yeah, just curious to get your thoughts. The fight itself, let's start with the fight. I mean, the fight was awesome, just nonstop action. I think they threw a billion punches. Um, neither guy seemed to give anything. It looked like maybe after the 6th or 7th, Chocolatito was looked a little bit winded for a couple of rounds, but came back strong. Just an incredible fight. I mean, it sets the stage for a, a rubber match. They each have one win now, but... Ah, uh, these decisions, these seventeen eleven decisions are just hard. It's it, 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 at, at least thank God that they that they called the guy to task and they want to get some justification for. It because I'm just curious how they get window dressing.
1: Ken, Ken, Ken. I agree. We'll continue. We'll continue. I just had to throw that in. Window dressing, baby. I completely window, window agree. Window uh, until I see more. Until I see that they say, oh, he's he's suspended a year. Oh, okay, good. But until I do that, I'm gonna think the guy's gonna pop up next week. I don't know. I mean, really, I I don't I don't see any substance behind anything these guys do. Show it to me. Show me. Yeah. Show me. I'm from the what state is that? To show me state. Where is that? What state is that? You're you're smart. You went to college. Rob. Come, on. <laughs> Come on. Don't tell me you wasted all that money on it good college education come on uh, we ne- show me state
0: <laughs> i don't remember covering state nicknames but let me see show me state is missouri
1: there it is missouri all right so i i'm, I'm from missouri okay let them show me these organizations that the guy has gone a year that the guy has to go to some kind of seminars, schooling before he comes back. The, the guy is demoted to smaller fights and he earns his way back. The way that, you know, put him in the minor leagues. The way the other leagues do. The other leagues, the other major sports that have national commissions, unlike us. And, and, they, and they grade these officials. They grade them. And if they're not up to par, they get moved to smaller venues, smaller things. Or they, you don't know, hear about them no more. But that's, everyone should be accountable. I mean, having a license in boxing to be a judge, it's not a right that, oh, I have to write, I should have that because I, no, it's a privilege. You get named a judge, it's a privilege. And you should treat it as a privilege and honor it as a privilege. Respect it as a privilege. And act as though you understand that. And the organization that is supposed to be the enforcers, the police, oh my God, I can't even believe I'm saying that. It's a joke. But they're supposed to make sure that these guys are the right guys and they're doing the right job. And if they're not, hold them accountable. But they don't. They don't. So here and again, Here's a situation where they they jump out because everybody's looking at it, and so they jump out and they say, oh, we better show the fans before we really lose them someday, which they won't because the sport's been around forever, and people love what the fighters do. That's still noble. Not what the people that run the sport do. That's pretty horrible. But what the fighters do is still noble when... When you get the right fighters and they get in there in the right match. So people will still come hoping to see that. Like they did the other night. Knowing that was going to be a good fight because of what the two men brought. And what they had brought throughout their whole career. But at some point some fans do leave. They say I've had enough. I've had enough of watching a movie and knowing what the end's going to be before the movie ends, knowing that a guy's going to get robbed. I don't want to see it no more. So they had to do something. They had to jump up and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to suspend them into further notice. Well, yeah, I want to see, again, I want to see the, the steel behind this. I want to see the merit, the substance behind this, what they really do, okay? And then I want to fix the problem permanently, You know, you don't put air in a flat tire. What the frick? Uh, and, and, And you don't fix the tire? So you put air in a flat tire and then you keep driving? No, you gotta frickin' fix the damn thing. Otherwise, it goes flat again, okay? You know that, Ken. Come on, I, I'm, but you have those surface though, the, where they come with the trucks and they come fast. When you call them, they come fast. Uh, what did they sent two, three trucks uh, for your roadside assistance, so you don't have to worry about a flat tire. But I'm just saying that some people do. And when you fix the damn thing, fix it with some of the ideas I just drew out there, you know, put, put these guys in school, put them in seminars, Teach them, retrain them. Teach them what the criteria is supposed to be, you know. Uh, Grade these officials, you know. Grade them. Let them earn their. Let them earn their marks. So, getting back to the fight. Great fight. Great fight. Um, I don't know what the hell the commentators had. One of the commentators had it. You know, if I'm going to knock the joy, I'm going to say whatever I f- believe and be consistent. I, I don't know. One of, one of them had uh, Chocolito winning like 6-1 to one or something early on. I, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. I didn't see Chocolito winning 6-1 to one early on. I saw Strada controlling the outside early on, you know, looking to do what made sense for him to do. Counter punch, uses quicker hands, use his legs, be more mobile, be probably be more dimensional, and be on the outside and look to catch the aggressive Chocolito coming. You know, take advantage of his aggression a little bit. Catch him coming, counter punch, Uh, keep a little bit of a space between them, and, you know, on the outside. That's what I saw. And I saw Chocolito when he got inside, you know, He does what he does. He was scoring with nice, beautiful short shots. That's his forte. That's his bread and butter. He throws beautiful short shots. He gets inside. He times you in between shots. You know, you could be tricky like Estrada and you could counter, but you could be tricky in an aggressive way too. Like Chocolito where he was timing shots as as Estrada was throwing. Bang! He was timing them. Timing can beat speed. Timing can negate speed. And he was showing a class, a master class, with doing some of that stuff. And listen, boxing's supposed to be about who lands the most telling, clean, effective punches, right? So if you go by that, Estrada was the busier guy, no argument there. The busier guy, but Chocolito was probably landing the more clean, effective punches, you know, in, in certain parts of that fight, for the most part. And the more telling punches, if you will, but Estrada did his part too. Estrada did his part too, and again, Estrada for me—they talk about ring generalship as being one of the components and criteriums also of, of scoring, right? Okay, I thought ring generalship. Then you have to give a little bit towards Estrada. You know, he was he was controlling the areas he wanted to control on the outside. You know, for. Good parts of the fight, or some parts of the fight. I thought it was an even fight. I thought it was an even fight. I thought that, uh, I always talk about geography, Ken. Geography, you tell me who's going to get the geography that they want, that suits their style, suits their abilities best, and fight the fight in that geography, that space. They're going to win. I thought both guys got their geography for the most part. I thought Estrada and parts of the fight, especially early on, that's why I don't understand. As much as I don't understand the 117-111 score from that uh, that judge, whatever you call him, um, guy that's masquerading as a judge, I, I don't understand the commentator having it the way he had it early on either, all for Chocolito. But having said that, I'm gonna get my eyes checked. Uh, I'm gonna to go to your eye doctor. You got good eyes. I'm gonna to go to your man, get an appointment, <laughs> get him checked, make sure that you know that I'm I'm okay here. I'm board certified, and that you know I can continue, you know, feeling the way I feel and saying the things I feel that I could trust what I'm freaking seeing. But I I had I had it really close. I could see. The flow, the generalship of the fight, the rhythm of the fight being controlled a little bit more, maybe, by Estrada. The flow. The, just, just the rhythm of the fight. A little bit more by Estrada. So I didn't score the fight. I might have had Estrada slightly ahead. I might have. And most people probably thought I was going to come on and go, Oh, my God! the uh, No, I have no problem Chuck Alito winning. None. None. I have no problem with the draw. But I have no problem with Estrada. I have a problem with 117-111. With that crap. With that kind of crap. We don't need that crap. Guys that risk their lives to get in the freaking ring and do what these guys do. They don't need that. They don't need that. They don't need that insult. They don't. They don't need to deal. You know a guy like that. If, if I had my way. If I was a Zara boxer, I'd put his picture up. to judge. I'd put his picture up. Every time there's a fight. Warning. You know, just like when uh, the Surgeon General puts on the cigarette packs. Warning. This could be hazardous to health. <laughs> you know? I would put his picture up with, with that label right underneath. Warning. This man could be dangerous to a fighter's health. <laughs> That's what I would do. And i do it with all those creeps. Yeah, I said it. All those creeps. Do it with all of them. But anyway, at the end of the day... My man, you look great, Ken. You do. You look great. <laughs> At the end of the <laughs> day, you. I I have I have no problem with strata winning. Um I it was a close fight. It was a hell of a fight. I thought Chocolito won the last round. Um, you know, he won more than the last round. I get it. But I mean, boy oh boy, did he bring it. Did he bring it? Oh he brought the thunder, the lightning, the hell. The wins he brought it all. Oh but then Estrada behaved the way that you would expect a guy like a champion like him to behave. The the last quarter of the round, what's he doing? <laughs> what does he do? He took all of that and he comes back furiously. Furiously. Furiously and he wins the last part of the round. Wow. What a w what a round that was. And the sixth round was an incredible round. The seventh round, if my memory serves me, there were there were some special rounds. But at the end of the day, these guys were like two energy bunnies, you know, with the, they do that commercial with the, the energy bunny where uh it never runs out. That was them. Yeah. That was them. They I mean they you know, they didn't take much time to introduce each other to each other (laughs) did they They, you know they went at it they went right at it and uh i thought i thought again i'll I'll finish it by saying the harder more telling punches chocolito he, he, he scored beautifully with timing shots, short shots on the inside, and also stepping with Estrada as he stepped away, catching him beautiful shots. Estrada did a beautiful job of catching him coming in, you know, keeping distance good for him a little bit in the spots that he did uh, and putting punches together uh, real well. Um, at the end of the day, ring generalship, uh, control of rhythm of the fight a little bit towards Estrada, more telling punches. Very important in the criterion of scoring. I know uh, that goes towards Chocolito. Uh, really close, really close, and really a, a terrific fight. You're going to have to have a trilogy, I guess. I, I would think that you know that Eddie Hearn would would like to uh, get a trilogy together. And, uh, just, just, hey, we said it, we, it it didn't take the amazing Kreskin to say this, but we did say it was going to be a great fight. And you're the one to your credit. You're the one on our last podcast that brought it up. Said, Ted, uh, you know, this fight's coming up. Uh, I think it's going to be great. And then I chimed in, you know, and said, it has to be great because it's connected to their styles, their physical styles, but it's connected to their mentalities, to their temperaments, to their character, to who they are. That's what they are. That's what they are. They're warriors. They're going to come in. What do warriors do when they meet in the ring? They go to war. That's what they do. You know, they don't start playing love songs, right? I mean, you know, they, they, they go to war. So so it, we we called it, but so did a lot of people. You didn't have to be, uh, you know, Notre Dame to to pick that one. <laughs>
0: that um that division is um is stacked the junior bantamweight uh Rung Rongveise, Chocolatito. I mean,
1: Rongveise what a monster he is. Oh, he's a monster.
0: What a friggin' list of killers there. The best part is those guys are all fighting each other. And uh you know, if there's ever if there's any silver lining to the controversial judge there, like I said, I think that You know, had Estrada won uh, 15-13 on two judges' cards and Chocolatito got one. you know, maybe, okay, whatever. Uh, But I think the fact that the judge was so one-sided, Estrada said at the press conference after that he thought it was probably a draw, leaves the um, door open for a third fight, and that's a bonus for all. Honest
1: fighters. What an honest fighter, right, Ken? Can you imagine not too many guys are going to say that? Now, I mean, that, but that's, that goes with the temperament, with the character, with the man that I'm talking about, that that's always connected, who you are, that how, how you perform, what you are. Because they fight an honest fight and they're honest people. Only a guy like him could be that honest. It's consistent with the way he fights, it's consistent with the way he lives. That he's honest, that he doesn't lie, he doesn't make excuses, he doesn't look for outs. You know, he faces what he, what, what's there. That's why he fights that way. That's why he's able to fight that way. <laughs> That's why he's that. Yeah. I mean, it's a small little thing like that, but it's important. The thing that I also made a note to myself, I'm sorry, I I, I have a little problem with, I get in a little, it gets a little rough after a while sometimes. Can you calm down? Can they calm down a little bit? Can... With these punch stats, because <laughs> I, 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 it's not a machine, it's not it's not an Android counting these freaking things with laser eyes. It's not. I, I don't think it is anyway. And it's two human beings. Nobody can accurately count the punches coming like that, and especially. <laughs> it's like trying to. It's like trying to say how many jelly beans are in one of those jars. Do you know? <laughs> I don't. How many jelly beans in a jar? I don't know, 452,000. I, I, I don't know. I mean, how, how many punches were thrown? 3,223 and, 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 uh, and a half. What? Really? Really? Can I, is that accurate? Can I count on that? <laughs> can, I, can I get a certificate that certifies that, please? Can I get a guarantee of that? Please, please. I mean, come on. I know that the networks love the bells and whistles. They love the graphics. They love to do all that stuff, you know, for the viewers. I get it. I get it. We get used to it and all that stuff. But the commentators use it too much. I mean, uh, oh, they threw 2,000 punches. You sure it wasn't 1,999? Are you sure? Are you sure? Or maybe 1,824. Are you sure? Are you, I I don't know. I don't know if these guys were good in calculus, good in math. I don't know. But to be able to watch a furious pace fight with two titans chucking leather like that, and you're going to say, yeah, 2,344. <laughs> <laughs> and that even worse, and 521 will land it clean. <laughs> <laughs> Send the guy to the hospital. send them to the hospital get an mri if he took 521 punches i want that man i care about people i want him in the hospital i want an mri done right away ken i want it done right away (laughs) really the university of tennessee you got a good hospital over there right they got a great hospital great place i want him sent immediately immediately he took 500, 340, 400. He, really? He took, he took that many clean punches? Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, uh, uh, Ken. Uh, 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 God, w- Help me, Ken. Take it from there.
0: Those super flies, though, I can't stress enough. Between Estrada, Rungvise and Chocolatito, and um, Quadras, uh, Carlos Quadras, the four of them have fought a total of nine times, much like along the lines of Marvin Hagler when the four kings were fighting, they fought each other nine times. Then, you know, when I was thinking about that, when I was running this morning, I was thinking about the welterweights and like, when is the la- like, there is so little activity amongst the top welterweights. They're not even fighting stay busy fights. It's just, it drives me crazy because you're never going to get Spencer guys call, there.
1: You're never going to get the fights you want, Spencer Cole, whatever. You're never going to get, you're right. Because because I just don't know
0: why. Like Marvin, greedy
1: promoters. That's why. Because the greedy promoters, they want to have options. They want to control that guy. They don't want to take a chance. They're going to lose that guy, and they want to keep their deal with the network. And part of their deal with the network is that they got this guy, and they don't want to lose that guy because they want to keep getting paid by the network. They don't give a freak about the fans. They don't care about you. They don't care about well what you think. They they could give two craps about that. They will put a good fight on when it comes down to pike, but but uh, going out there and saying let's put the best fights on in a consistent way uh that's gonna make the sport better and healthier and that's gonna be the way the ufc is no the ufc can do it because they got one guy running it and he does care about the health of the sport because it's to his benefit it is it's to his business benefit that that he cares about the health of the sport but These promoters, there's four or five power brokers in boxing, those guys with their deals with them, maybe less, but those guys with their deals with the network, they only care about their little piece of turf. That's all they care about. They could give two craps about the rest of the property out there that belongs to boxing. They could give two dams about that. They only care about their property. What their problem, and and keeping that healthy. And I'll tell you what, these stupid some of these stu- some of these stupid executives at the networks, they don't even know they've been turned into farm clubs. Yeah, farm clubs. Growing fields so that the promoter can grow their guys, farm their guys, and then be able to continue to have a cottage industry out there where they can continue making money and every once in a while pop one of their undefeated fighters in a fight with the less risk possible, unless it's a mega fight, unless it's a Mayweather and Pacquiao that comes around you know, once in a lifetime. Unless it's that, then both got to get together we got to do it because we can't leave that money on the table. But other than that, they just use it as a farm system just to build up their guys and put them in with subpar fights on the network that the fans have to suffer through in order to get those undefeated records. And the networks just, they, they sit back like not even aware. I guarantee you they're not aware because they're looking at other things. You know, they're looking at other, you know, whether, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, other things. And they, they they're not really looking at this. It's programming that suits their purpose you know, it gets a certain audience in there. So they go along. They don't even look. They only look when it gets really bad. You know, when it when it gets dire. When they'll start to lose money. But a lot of these cable networks, there was so, like HBO for years, they overpaid. They were idiots running it. They, 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 oh, we're great, we're geniuses. No, they weren't geniuses. They were morons. But uh, they were. Some of them were uh, egotistical, arrogant freaking morons. That, But they could throw $5 million to these overpaid heavyweights and they could put them on and, you know, just pay them whatever. Just pay them anything. Just write a blank check. And there was never any accountability for these networks, for these executives. You know why? Because it was subscription-based. So the subscribers were there still for the movies, for boxing, for the, you know, so the subscription base, they never really took a look at, oh, gee, the boxing were overpaying. And we're not really getting back the bang for our dollar because the overall subscribers were still healthy. And as long as that was still healthy, well, then there was no light really shined on their department on their part of how they were running the boxing, how they were overpaying, how they weren't always... And then later on, as Ross Greenberg went down the road, I mean, it's, the fights got worse and worse and worse, and finally it disappeared. They give you all the reasons, whatever, but it finally disappeared. You don't have to, again, you, you, you don't have to really be a, a scientist to figure out why it disappeared. It didn't make the sense anymore but that was coming for years it didn't just suddenly happen it just caught up to them so when it catches up to whether it's the zone whether that they run out of money and you know and uh they don't the subscriber base doesn't get high enough and the numbers don't come there for the fights then something eventually happens but it's usually a long haul it's usually a long haul where, again, there'll be a certain market. There'll be a certain amount of people that'll be watching the fights because they love boxing. They want to see it. They'll tolerate some of the crappy fights, hoping to get to the good ones. But then, if it stays that way with A's against B's, as we've been seeing in boxing more and more, well, then you're going to get... The audience is going to drop off. And then, finally, maybe one of these numb executives will get poked by somebody hey buddy yo ho you you are you looking at these numbers here and then maybe but again that that takes time and but if you compare the pay-per-view numbers see when you get a major whether it's showtime or whoever and you got a major cable network putting fights on you're going to get certain numbers I mean, it's a major... You're going to get certain numbers. It's out there. It's part of the package. But then, when you you make... When you go to the pay-per-view, that's when you separate the kids from the men. That's when you start to find out. And you look at those. And like the Charlo brothers. I like the Charlo brothers, but they're not fighting top guys. They're only staying in Heyman's little circle there, fighting those guys. So when they put on that show with the two Charlo brothers... Those pay-per-view numbers, well, you know what they were. What was it, seventy-five thousand or something? I forget. I don't remember. Sure, it was but deplorable. I mean, I mean, it was pretty damn bad. And that's Cary. when the executives could hide out a little bit. They could say, "Oh no, look at the cable. Look at the overall numbers on the ca-. yeah on regular cable they're sustaining." But then when you go to the pay-per-view, where the people have a choice, where they got to dole out the money. And where they know and they want a certain level. They want a certain product. They want to make sure it's going to be more than just an A against a B. Then you see the drastic change. Then you see the difference with UFC and these guys. Then you see the numbers that UFC is bringing in with the pay-per-view. And you say, holy cow, they they. They leapfrog past boxing. And that's where they did. That's where they did. Because they got one guy in charge looking over the whole estate, the estate of UFC, and saying, I ain't letting nobody screw this up. I ain't letting nobody put a freaking, putting a, a swampland on my property. No, I'm not letting them do it. I'm making sure that I'm that there's going to be competitive fights, so the sport continues to thrive, so the fans continue to trust my product, my label, my brand. That's the difference. UFC has built a brand. That's the difference. With boxing now, it's it's you know it's hit or miss. It's hit or miss. That's the difference. And um. I'm sure I made a lot of friends in that last 20 minutes you know, out there. <laughs> Feel free to send me an offer for a job. You know, call, call, my, <laughs> uh, call my agent. Call my agent, you know, okay? And no problem, okay? I'll, you know, I'll
0: consider it. Speaking of pay-per-views, there's a blockbuster coming up next month on pay-per-view, Andy Ruiz and Chris Ariola pay-per-view attraction oh please
1: you're really starting to <laughs> bother me now even even though i love you yeah now you're getting under my freaking uh.
0: <laughs> i actually love chris Ariola. he's one of my favorite characters i love Boston. chris
1: Areola. are you kidding me no i love him as a person yeah. as a father but, as a fighter that, everything that, he's given he's given everything he's given his sweat and his blood everything but first of all forget that it's not i think it's dangerous for him I think it's a dangerous fight for Ariola. He shouldn't be taking punches anymore. I know that it's not my, I know it's his life, and I know I don't want to stop anyone from making a living. I don't, I understand that you're right, but I, you know, like anybody, I care about people, and I care about good people, and I, I just think that it comes to a point where, you know, especially in a sport like boxing, where you get to that point where it's time to stop, and I just, it just, it, it comes. It comes, you know, to everybody. It comes in other things, too, where you have to stop. But in boxing, it comes with a price tag to it if you don't stop in time. And I'm just, I'm concerned. I'm just concerned f- for physical. I
0: think the biggest concern with Chris is that he might win that fight and then get in with one of the real No, big, he's not winning punches. that fight. Listen,
1: I would love to see him win that fight um and say that he could win it, but... Chris Arriola, the toughest, one of the toughest men you're ever going to meet. Gallant warrior, really. All the pride in the world. And uh, he had his time, but it's not now. And um, and he, he's been hit a lot of punches throughout his career. And I always would say when I was doing the fights on ESPN that you don't judge a fighter's age chronologically. You judge it by the amount of tough fights he's been in, the amount of punches he's taken. And uh, by going by that, you know, going by that, um Chris Chris is old going by that. And and it's and, and Ruiz is not. And Ruiz isn't a bad fighter. And uh, he'll be yeah. in better shape uh and uh he he um it's it's a good fight for um Ruiz. For Ruiz and it's unfortunately it's not a good one for ariola and it's listen two separate things ken uh it doesn't belong as a pay-per-view you're right i mean you're 100% right ken and and good for you to, for bringing that up and you know not worrying about oh, all so no we don't worry about that we we tell what we believe that the fans should hear that has nothing to do with us worrying about an agenda or having a relationship. It has to do with kind of the same thing Dana White does and he's successful with. He just wants to make sure it's a good fight, a competitive fight, so that the public trusts him and they keep buying that brand, UFC. We want to do the same thing. Same thing. So the public trusts us that no matter what, whatever the consequences are, we're going to say the truth, what we believe to be the truth, based on experience, based on judgment, based on ability of being in this business, especially from my side of how long I've been in it. So, it's just, it's not a pay-per-view quality fight. But aside from that, I don't think it's a fight that uh, that should be made with still a vibrant Ruiz, uh, still a young enough, talented enough, if he's, if he's, got the incentive, if he's motivated, I think it's a I think it's a very dangerous fight. Uh Ariola at this point in his life. But I I'm not the guy in charge of that. I'm not the guy in charge of that.
0: Well on the other hand when you talk about Dana White and building trust and putting on the fights people want to see we have another big fight announcement coming up with the promoter, um, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua. Over the weekend, Tyson Fury did an interview. You could tell that he was frustrated by how long the uh, proceedings were taking to get the contract finalized. So he gave an interview saying he wasn't training, he didn't care, you know, just posturing. It was very obvious and they, and they grabbed Aram on vacation and asked him what he thought about the fans were upset about what was being said that the fight not being made. And unlike uh, Dana Bob's answer was, Uh, they can go F themselves. I don't give an F what the fans think. They don't know anything, blah, blah, blah. The next day the fight got made. So clearly he does care. And Tyson Fury did what he had to do, said what he had to say. And it looks like the fight's final and it's it's booked. And um, that's going to be a big treat for the fans. I mean, that's what everyone wants to see, the top two guys fighting each other. So we've got Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua coming up. Let me check the date. But um, what are your thoughts on that one? Well...
1: I mean, it's the fight, right? It's the fight that we wanted to see. It's the fight that, um, I mean, boxing goes as the heavyweights go to a certain extent, right? It, it always has. It it, it always has. Um, but heavyweights have not been up to snuff um, where they could lead the pack. Uh, Other weight classes have had to lead the pack. Uh, Welterweights, you know, light heavyweights are great today. The lightweights are great today. You know, if we could just get the right matches, of course. But the heavyweights haven't been up to snuff. But this is the one now that brings the heavyweights back into the forefront. Again, that's always been the head. Uh you know, that's, that's led the game. That's, that's been the head of the monster, right? That's, that's everybody wants to hope to see good heavyweights. And this is the fight. If you're going to make a heavyweight fight, it's a fight to make. It'll be a huge fight, you know, put aside COVID with the virus. I mean, that fight could have filled two Wembley stadiums. Wembley stadium fits 90,000. I mean, they would have had an overflow, uh, I don't know now what you know, what the rules are gonna be for that, but that's how big the fight, especially over across the pond over in England, where where listen, where the Marcus of Queensbury rules started, where this all started with boxing over there. Great fans, you know, just like we have here, but great committed fans there. When they're attached to someone, when they identify with someone, when the promoters do a good job and they do a good job over there, the promoters, and they identify these fighters. You know, the way you could identify the NBA players, you know, LeBron and Stephon and, you know, the the fans identify. They don't identify necessarily with the teams all the time. They identify with the player. Well, that's what makes boxing so huge over across the pond in London, where they make these fighters identifiable. You know, it goes, it goes beyond the sport. Now, now you know who Joshua is. You know who Fury is. And you're invested in the guy, you know. And and look, Fury is he's the number one fighter right now. He would be the favorite, I would say. Obviously, going into the fight, I would think with my bookie and all that stuff, uh, we'll check with all that stuff. And can you get that? But for me, he's also he's the force here because he's the promoter. He's Muhammad Ali, you know. He he's he's what uh, when Mayweather knew how to promote and. Uh, when McGregor in the UFC uh, promoted, I mean, that's that's one of the talents, that's one of the elements, that's one of the sides. Let's face it, that Fury brings to the table. I mean, when he did all that stuff, I don't know how much of it's real, but his promotion, where he said he goes, I right, this, uh, I'm. They're taking too long to make this fight. I'm not training. I'm up to 16 pints a day. I'm drinking (laughs) 16 (laughs) pints a day, right? I I mean, that's him again. That's him, you know, know, stoking the flames, getting the people ready to bring them in, to bring them into the fold, to bring them in, you know, because it's about making money, right? We want to make great fights. We want competitive fights. We want history. We want legacy. Yeah, but money. They want money. And that's one of the ways you do it. you got to perform, but that's part of it. And so it's the fight everyone wants to see. It's going to be a mega, mega fight. Um, I'm going to favor Fury. We'll get more into it when it you know, gets closer. But opening, gonna,
0: uh, the, o- opening odds, minus 185 on Fury, plus 150 on AJ. I
1: think Fury could stop him. All right, I, I still I like AJ. He's a good fighter. He's got good talent. He, he's had a great comeback. Um, I, I, I like all that. Um, I'm not going to say he has a china chin. I'm not going to say that. But I'm going to say uh, Fury has a better chin. And I'm going to say that he's been to dark places when he got stopped by Ruiz. He being Joshua. He, he went to dark places. Now he found a light and he lit the room up, and he's back into a place that's lit. I just don't think he's that far away from a power shortage. I I, I think that there could be a blackout again uh, where his confidence, when I say the electricity, the light, I attach it to confidence, belief, mental strength, and durability. I think that a blackout could happen in that generator of his uh again he's not far removed from being taken back uh to no lights so i'm going with fury um and fury all the things he could do in the ring he showed me he could go get you now and he could box uh and pot shot and move so i'm gonna now joshua can punch joshua's a banger you know, he gets into position, but he's going to have to get into that position because Fury's more versatile. Fury has more say uh, because he can do more things. He can control the outside if he wants and, and not make it so easy, so easy uh, for Joshua to get into his geography, so to speak, as I like to talk about. So I, I like Fury, but it's going to be a humongous fight and... Uh, my problem is this. Tell me if you agree with me, Ken. I want to have an open debate about this for the fans because that's what it's about. It's about including the fans in this. I think that the fans are going to have, you know, they're, they're skeptical and they, they can be rightfully so, rightfully so. Um, they can be very, very skeptical, uh, cynical, if you will, as, as I can be, because boxing will teach you to be that with people's intentions. So I'm speaking for the fans right now. You hear me, fans? How many of you guys, and Ken's going to represent you, how many of you guys out there right now, put your hands up, how many of you feel a little shaky, you're glad to hear the fight was made finally, very good, they haven't found the site yet. I believe. I get. I bet you dollar to a donut. is going to be in the desert, uh, somewhere in Saudi Arabia. You know, over there because the money's there.
0: The money's there, right? you are talking about Saudi Arabia, Singapore, Qatar, U.S. or U.K. Basically, everywhere. But it's hard yeah. for some of these other venues to compete to with come the up with East, that money East paying the paying the site fees.
1: I agree. And, and listen, the COVID laws, you know, the virus laws are different where you can allow more people certain places. That's all going to be into play. But the fans, the most important people, put your hands up there. I want to ask you a question. And Ken's going to answer it for you and represent you guys. How many years felt after you felt happy initially? Oh, good. The fight's finally made. Good. Let's get a date. How many of you felt a little funny when the other part of the news came that was a two-fight deal? <laughs> that you didn't start thinking a little cynical, a little suspicious. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on a minute here. Wait a minute. You, they already made a two-fight deal, so does that mean... I'm, I'm just wondering, guys. Does that mean that we're going to get a draw? <laughs> <laughs> so, you can get, so you can get so you can get a double bang on the dollar uh you got dual promoters here right you got hearns involved uh you got different people involved you 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 also got what is it frank warren that's involved uh over in london you got two guys in london and then of course you got top rank involved because they gave a hundred million dollars well they didn't but he they got espn to put up a hundred million dollars you know for fury to sign him so you got these different guys involved But with all that, and these guys know how to make money, they know how to get the bank for their dollar. They've been doing it their whole careers, right? Uh, Aaron's been doing it for, what, 700 years now. So (laughs) did anyone get a little funny there, a little cynical, a little suspicious when you heard it's a two-fight deal? Like they didn't even fight yet, and and they made it for two fights? Like they're already conspiring to say, oh, we're going to fix this where – we're not worried about just one fight. That would be enough, I would think, for the fans to get one great fight, a historic fight, to have one heavyweight champ. But no, they got to do it where we're going to do two. So we, we make sure we're going to make extra money. So you start thinking, "Ha, oh, what are they conniving here? What, are they, what, what is being manipulated here? What, is this, am I on the right track here, Ken? <laughs>
0: of course. Of course I don't I I the, the only challenge there is if you get a one-sided beatdown like in the Deontay Wilder fight with Wilder had the rematch clause with Tyson Fury and who knows what happens behind the scene but from all from, from the outside looking in it doesn't look like Wilder wants that fight because if you did, and you have a rematch clause, you would get a challenge to get your title back. And he didn't take it, so that's the only well, the thing rematch. I say the with rematch. These, like... You're
1: right. The rematch ended at the end of the year, but they didn't get it done before that. They could have a million reasons why they didn't get it done, you know. And uh, and you get left out, you know. And Wilder gets pushed out for now. But my my real question is, does it take away a little bit that you? After celebrating that the fight was made, right? Uh, Because it's the right fight for the heavyweights. It is. But after celebrating that, did you feel, and I'm asking the fans, and I'm asking you to represent the fans, did you, as a fan, did you feel, hey, what is this two fight? Uh, let's just do one fight. That, that's that got me a little suspicious here that you're talking about two fights. Like you said, if, if it's a beatdown, move on to the next guy. You know, why does it have to be locked into two? Is there funny business going on where they're, they're going to make it a draw? And I'm not saying that, that I know that's going to happen, but but I'm just saying the sport makes you cynical. The people that run the yeah. sport make you cynical. Do, do, do you... Did you have some thoughts about that?
0: I have thoughts. I have cynical thoughts about everything, including when they even announced that the fight is made and the location's not set and the date's not set. So I have like cynical thoughts about the whole process and about who are going to be the judges. Where's it going to be? Um, you know, I think that certain guys are going to get a favorable decision in certain locations. Um, so, yeah, when a guy, when, Syn- when a guy Syn-
1: like Aaron, when a guy talking about cynical, when a guy like Iram tells you good morning, do you what do you do? You go to the window to see. <laughs> now, I'm just
0: is that what you're implying? Is that a little bit of the line of thought that connects with this? Well, when the promoter the day before announcing the fight is me tells you to go F yourself and he doesn't give an F what you think about um, the fight. Uh, it kind of leaves you a little disenfranchised with the whole process, to be honest
1: yeah 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 i i i hear you um you know i just would have liked i would have liked to i would have just liked to hear one fight that's all but i i get it i get it
0: the other part of this that's interesting is that when he when he went on that rant about um the you know after fans he said oh listen we're all doing our job eddie's doing a great job eddie's you know like their best boys and last month. He was calling Eddie a scoundrel and a sneak for um, bidding on the Tiafimo-Cambusa fight. Um, so it, it, it's literally like, um, what, what, what was the line he said once? Like, hey, well, you said this yesterday. And he was like, yesterday I was lying. Today I'm telling the truth.
1: That's vintage um,
0: You know, it's kind of like, what, you don't know, y- you have to discount everything that's said by promoters to a certain extent when these kind of things happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that, uh, that's part of the problem. Um, is trust, you know, trusting again with UFC. I'm, I'm not talking about Dana White in any moral ways. I don't know him good enough as a human being, as a man. I think he's a decent man, but I don't, I, I, I don't know enough to go to, to go down that road. I just know that you can trust when he, you could trust that he's going to give you the best fights possible all the time, as much as possible, because, well, it's to his, it's to his benefit. Again, because the healthier the sport is, the healthier his bank account is. You know, it, I mean, it, it works that way. But it don't work again, as I said earlier, in my tirade. It, it doesn't work that way in boxing. You know, the, the bank accounts of these, these very rich promoters is not attached to the health of the entire sport. It's only attached to the health of the deal they got with the network, with their stable fighters. That's what it's attached to. It's different. It's different. And it has to be understood by the fans. And I hope that I helped them that way to understand why, why these these things, you know, take place and happen. But hopefully it'll be, you know, it, it, it'll it be like a Super Bowl, you know, Ken, because they're built the hell out yeah. of it. You know, it, I mean, oh, yeah. it, you know, sometimes the Super Bowls are flops, though. You know, sometimes they have 40-point blowouts. You don't know. But the build-up to them is part of it, right? Isn't that part of it, of really? Course. You know? Oh, yeah. Anticipating it and anticipating. Just like the fights, and I'm going to name the fights, but they did turn out to be great, great, great fights. But like Ali Frazier, you know, the build-up, the build-up to the fights, the commercials, the, you know, getting to it, getting, you know, picking your side, who's your guy, you know, all that. And then you get to the moment, you know, and you hope the moment is as good as the buildup. And you hope that that's yeah. the case, uh, you know, with this one.
0: Yeah, this will be a good one. And uh, speaking of heavyweights, we got a good one coming up in two weeks with our friend Francis fighting Stipe, and we'll do a whole breakdown on that one next week. But... Yeah, this is a good one and you're right, the build up is like, you know, half the fun is the build up and the anticipation and the the, the debate about who's going to win, watching the odds. So, well, we'll see if they we'll see if they actually come up with a date and a venue anytime in the near future. I I would venture to guess that part of this thing was rushed to get done because of um, Fury's banter over the weekend in the interviews he did. But um, one last thing I wanted to talk to you about was I know you got a chance to see quickly the uh, main event in the UFC. We had Leon Rocky Edwards finally in action. I think he had like four or five fights postponed because of COVID, injuries, etc., etc. He was in against Balil Muhammad. Big step up for Balil. Big chance opportunity for both guys headlining the fight. And... Um, just a terrible accidental eye poke by Leon Edwards. Literally looked like his finger went into the eyeball and almost pulled his bottom eyelid out a little bit. But you could tell right away that Bilal Muhammad was in bad shape. I thought maybe like, you know, popped his eyeball, which 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 can happen. And um, he just went down. You could tell right away there was no no nonsense. He was really hurt and concerned about his vision. And um, Dr. Kamin stopped the fight. And um, disappointing for both guys. Feel for both guys. But... Man, it's a constant um, problem in the UFC. Those eye pokes.
1: Yeah, Ken. We talked about this. Uh, I I think Rob's gonna probably put a clip of one of our episodes if he hasn't already up, just to kind of revisit that. We talked about this. uh, I don't know how long ago it could have been months and months ago, but where we we visited that problem with the UFC with the eye pokes. You know, it's not a new problem, and it's. And it's not going to go away, you know, anytime soon, unless there's a, something done to change it, you know. And we talk about changing the way that judging is in boxing. You know, it's not going to go away by itself. You have to you have to do something. You have to hold these guys accountable to judges. You have to change what you're doing. You have to come up with a system of judging these judges if you want to get better in that area. And the same thing with this, um, it... it it's not something that happens once in a blue moon. It happens much too frequently. And these great warriors and, you know, just, I mean, they're samurais. They, these guys are truly Vikings. They're everything, uh, just like the great fighters are. And they, well, they persevere through enough. You know, they have to overcome elbows, knees, kicks, almost bare fists, (laughs) chokeouts. Do I have to go any further? Uh, They shouldn't have to deal with the possibility of losing their eyesight and their eye. They shouldn't have to deal with that. That should not be one of the things that they have to persevere with. They should have to, uh, to deal and overcome. That should not be one of those things. And one of the things when we talked on our, air on our podcast about this i had brought up i'm no expert in here but i have common sense i've been in the fight business 45 years i mean i understand that they want to keep the fingers loose because of the grappling uh component uh of of the sport i i understand that so what Come up with a membrane, come up with a new glove, come up with something that still gives you that, the ability for your fingers to move, to be flexible, but it it holds them together. It keeps them from separating to the extent where you can get those eye pokes uh, to the level that we're getting them now. Get some kind of membrane, I mean, the science is through the roofs with... uh, the advancements of the things they could do nowadays in sports and anything, actually, right? Come up with some kind of soft membrane. The NFL comes up with different things. Come up with some kind of a glove that, again, it inhibits the fingers from being able to so easily go into someone's eyes where it it, it joins them together. And at the same time, allows you the pliability to move your hands you know, and to move within that membrane, if you will, uh, to be able to grapple and do the things you have to do. I remember there was a problem with thumbing and boxing years ago, big problem. Uh, every once in a while, a guy get thumb and get it detached retina, and the they had to do something. They finally came up with attached thumbs, where they attached the thumbs, where they the thumbs uh, were held together by a little piece of leather, so you couldn't separate your thumb anymore. Where you were so pr- easy to put your thumb into someone's eye, you know, accidentally or on purpose, quite frankly. So you can do it. You can you can come up with uh you know, the invention with the idea of a glove. They did it in boxing. Uh again I understand the different element of having to have the fingers involved because of the other dimensions of, of UFC, uh with the jujitsu and the grappling. But I think that's the answer. Come up, yeah, it's time to come up with something now. And I believe that with all the wealth, all that Dana White and the UFC, you know, the ability they have financially and everything else, they can they could do, they could do marvels probably, and go work with some sports science people and come up with the proper product uh, to help alleviate this problem because as you as you brought up it's it's a serious problem um and it's been there for a long time now it's not like something that you were just talking about today uh because of what happened recently this has been going on
0: yeah like i said before i think trevor whitman's working on uh working on a solution right now um And we discussed that after the Stipe and DC fight. But um, I think Trevor Whitman's working on a couple glove um, designs now and has been for a while. I know he was on Rogan talking about it. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's a real shame. It's it's a bummer for everyone involved, both of the fighters, the UFC. I mean, no one wants to see that. It's just... um, Yeah, who knows? It's still early days in the evolution of the sport when you think about how long the UFC's been around versus how long boxing's been around. And I'm sure they'll continue to make advancements. But um, in other news, if you're into watching lions uh, eat raw meat, uh, Adarbetar Biev's going to fight next Saturday. And um, I would imagine that would be the equivalent of watching a zookeeper fire some steaks into a hungry lion's cage. Um, He'll fight from Moscow. fight will be on... um, I think it's on ESPN. Uh yeah, ESPN at three PM Eastern next week and Otterby of versus Adam Dean Danes or Dean's. Um man, that is a um, dangerous fight for the kid in there with better And but, look, um, these,
1: these fights that Canelo's been getting have been dangerous for his opponents too, you know? I mean For sure. Uh, yeah, you know, and then they're mandated as also as uh as number one mandatories. mandatories, you know, I mean, uh, who's, I mean, who's in charge of these mandates of saying, oh yeah, this guy's the number one challenger in the whole world, the whole world. Who is it? Is it your next door neighbor? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't. I, I no. I don't know. Right. My just, next door neighbor is a
0: very nice, compassionate guy. He would never oh, do that. Oh, good. Hey, speaking oh, no, of I'm speaking of Canelo, uh, but
1: but let me just finish one thing with better beer. Yeah, better be beer. One thing you know, you're going to get an aggressive guy. You're going to get a strong physical guy. You're going to get, as you said, a lion. You're going to get a guy that, that can punch like hell, especially with the right hand. Um, you know, he's he, he's a warrior. He's a warrior. And, um, and he's going to come. You know, he's going to come and he comes, you know, the kind of the way I described the Marvin hagler you he's honest uh, you could trust him, you know what he's going to bring every time he gets in a ring, you know he's going to come forward and he's going to try to take you out
0: <laughs> yep. you know it's i it's, think he it's
1: not complicated
0: I think you could give the opponent in this fight a uh, a hammer or a knife, and he's still going to end up on the wrong side of this fight <laughs> um. But speaking of Canelo, uh, uh, David Benavidez is in action this weekend. I mean, look, he was fighting a former sparring partner of Canelo and Ronald Ellis. And no disrespect to Ellis, but he was completely outclassed. He took a beating for 12 rounds. Benavidez, it's hard to say he looked awesome because he was literally fighting a guy who was putting up almost no... Um, resistance at times, but I love Benavides. He's so big and strong. He called out Caleb Plant. I imagine Caleb Plant's going to wait to see if Canelo gets through Saunders. I would imagine Caleb's next for, um, for Canelo. So to Canelo's credit, he beat up the, uh, mandatory, but he's always in there pretty tough. Um, But interesting what's going on in the super middleweight, 168s. um, There's a lot of talent there, and I just like to see them all fight each other. But I have a feeling no one's looking to get in with Benavidez anytime soon. He's just, the guy is just so big and strong. I really like him. Um, Nevertheless, we'll see what happens. Um,
1: Well, listen, Benavidez is in the 168-pound division. You know, you got Saunders, you got Plant. Uh, They're good Technically, they get the job done, but the most talented guy there, physical talent, the most dangerous guy there—it's—it's it's no contest. It's Benavides. I mean, it is, and the most dangerous fight in that division. If the truth's going to be spoken, not all the BS because you're on one side or the other because you want a job with one of the networks or one of the organizations or whatever, you know. Um, the truth is, uh, Benavides is the most dangerous or the re- only. It's a real threat uh, or more of a threat to Canelo in that division than anybody else, you know, because of his size, because of his physical strength. um, And he hasn't learned how to lose. That's part of it. The other guys haven't either. But, uh, you know, because of his, you know, his overall physicality, Uh, he has... You have to have certain level of ability, physical ability, to beat a guy like Canelo, and you have to have other things too. They have to come into play afterwards, but you have to start with that. And Benitez, uh, Benavidez starts with that more yeah. so than more so than the other guys.
0: I can't imagine any of the top guys with with the with the thought of a Canelo fight on the horizon. I can't imagine any of those top five guys getting in the ring with um benavidez i mean another no, no guy anthony Durrell. they're just not going to do it so i don't know where benavidez goes that doesn't
1: make you the amazing Creskin. like i say that don't make you amazing but you're right you're right i mean that's they wouldn't put a line on that bet uh the even my bookie and they're great but they wouldn't have a line on that freaking thing um that you're right That i just feel
0: bad it. for benavidez like where where does benavidez go who does he even fight to avoid like being in there with opponents I don't think any of these guys will even... He's dare going to, to wind
1: with... up moving up. I think he's going to wind up moving up to light heavyweight. He's a big guy. He's got the frame, the skeleton for it. Um, I, I think that's I think that's what they're going to wind up doing.
0: Be interesting to see if Canelo does beat um, Billy Joe and then beats Caleb Plant, what he does. Does Canelo move up or does he dare to take on Benavidez for all the belts? because my guess is that he probably moves up and looks for one of the other light heavyweights before he uh it'll be funny if ben did decide. listen decides, okay
1: I, I, I don't take away nothing from canelo and the canelo fans out there same here uh, you know I, I i i love canelo um but they're smart too they pick their spots just like mayweather very smart great fighter i love mayweather but he picked his spot he was a good manager he, he was a Good handicap of where he was going, what fights he was taking, uh, and you know, and when, and and so is Canelo and his group. They they're not fighting. They're not fighting Beevil or or um, or better be if. They're not. They're not. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna go out on a rope. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say they're not. I mean, maybe you prove me wrong, and I'll be the first one on this show that'll come up and I'll start the show with, Yeah, I was wrong. But um, it's not necessary for them right now. In their mind, for their legacy, they're not worried about me judging their legacy or somebody. They 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 figure their legacy is gonna be take care of itself, and the people are going to judge it as the fans of today, of today, will judge it, and in the adoring way that they love Canelo, they they judge him as one of the greats. Um, but to to, uh, we did a show you know what was the last podcast two podcasts ago about how deep really the talent and the great fighters go the history goes in Mexican boxing uh how many I mean really how how long and serious that list is of great Mexican fighters I mean it's extraordinary and I'm sorry uh, I'll say it again but Some people won't like it, but Canelo's not at the top of that list, not yet, not yet, not. not, uh, I mean that list. Go look at it before you go and take these things out. And I get it. I get it. (laughs) I get it. You know, I I got it. But before you you know do this, and you do your cheerleading. Oh, C, A, N, E, L.
0: Oh, Canelo. I mean, I get it. He's great. But we but, need to get you some uh green, red, and white pom poms for the yeah, Mexican flag. I, I
1: I take them. I do it for them, for my great Mexican <laughs> brothers and sisters out there. I'd be glad to do that. But before you go crazy, look at that list. Understand that list. Study that list. Really? You're honest. You're honest. You want to be honest fans? You know? You look at it. Look at the greatness of the fighters on that list and who they fought, who they fought and how many times they fought those kind of guys before you go and, you know, get those pom-poms out. Those pom-poms, boy.
0: Well, listen, before before we sign off, I want to read you a quote from the um, Hagler-Hearns documentary. Um, after the second round, the doctor went in to check on Hagler's eye. And, and the quote from the, um, from the documentary reads like this. Uh, Blood continued seeping down Hagler's face and Steele now suspended proceedings to call for the ringside judge to look at Hagler's injury. When, Hagler, when, when Steele asked Hagler whether Hearns was visible, Hagler retorted, well, I ain't missing him, am I? The doctor counseled forbearance and the fight continued. I <laughs> love you, Marvin.
1: God bless you. Rest well, champ. Rest well, champ. You were great. You were great.
0: And with that, thank you for doing this, Teddy. Guys, thanks for being with us. Rest in peace to the great, marvelous Marvin Hagler. And uh, we'll be back with you next week. Thanks for being with us.